Hey, it's Sean Fennessy, one of the hosts of the Prestige TV podcast. HBO's Barry is back for a fourth and final season. And that means I'll be back recapping the show with co-creator and star Bill Hader to dive deep on the themes, scenes, and major moments in the series. Bill will provide insight into how every episode was made and why it's ending. New Prestige TV Barry recaps will go live every Sunday night when the episode ends. So make sure you're subscribed to the Prestige TV podcast wherever you get your podcasts. On May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. What a wonderful day! This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. They stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, Restrictions all apply. See website for details. Listeners, welcome. This is Sound Only. I'm Justin Chair. And I'm Mike Peters. We're your Sound Only co-hosts. Here to record our deepest, darkest thoughts about the millennial lifestyle, television, music, Hip-hop, R&B, video games, anime, this week, none of those things. Well, TV. What are we talking about? Music. We, yeah, Jack we, Harlow. We, yeah. Yeah. Barry. <laughs> those are the two subjects. Take it or leave it. That's what Spencer we're talking Bernice. about. Uh, Anything else that we think of that was like in the periphery of our... I guess Zelda's coming out. I don't know. I don't maybe. know if Michael... You know, I got played a little bit of Jedi Survivor. I could talk about that. Oh, if that's you want right. To. You, that's right. That shit came out. Um, listen, I'm trying to stop spending money on Steam. Steam, uh, my Steam budget has lost ground to my tinned fish budget and my vacation budget. That's right. I'm 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 fresh off the Cape, uh, back from vacation, and. You know, I've been tuned out of the culture with the exception of one thing. One thing that dropped right as I was getting on the road on a long drive to the East Coast. Micah. I'm talking about the Jack Harlow album. Jackman. <laughs> Jackman, period. Jackman with the basketball so, player okay. arms on the on Listen, the, all right. so 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 to put this in the constellation of Jack Harlow things that I'm aware of, there's that one clip of that you know is constantly in circulation of him and him on the Breakfast Club talking about buttering buns and Charlemagne going pause and him going resume, which I think is like <laughs> kind of like you know a neat distillation of like the Jack Harlow appeal to mm, me. Like it's just mm. sort of like yes, he's funny by accident, but like he's like you know in the embodiment of like the you know, prevailing zeitgeist that we should all ask, we should all aspire to be himbos, you know? <laughs> this this yeah. is, that's that's the Jack Harlow yeah. thing. Yeah, then, I like that. Then there is, um, 
Yeah, you know, like, you know, also like the, so, you know, can you read? Excuse me. <clears throat> do you read? You know, do you like to read? <laughs> uh, and then there is uh, also the White Men Can't Jump remake that he has coming out soon on Hulu, you know, with Vince Staples. This is a thing. Did you know about this? Am I, am, am, am I breaking the news to you? Okay. All right, cool. Yes. These are the two, these are the two yeah. things that uh, I know now. Then, at, like, you know, there's this album cover in the world. And it's like, he's loose. You know, he's just out. He's, he's, he's just wearing, he's shirtless on the cover in front of like a shed. There's no, like, the, the filter is negligible. Like, it's like, you know, it's, I, what did you expect when you saw the album cover? Like, what did you expect to hear with a title like Jackman? I'm glad you focused on the filter because it, it does feel like, true to the intro to this podcast, right? It felt like a very old millennial Instagram filter. Like, it felt so aggressively, I don't know, this cover that's is... the Forest Hills Drive filter. Yeah. Well, okay, and that's we need to talk about that, right? We need to talk about this because, yes, it's sort of it really does telegraph in a way that I just wasn't ready for anyway after processing the album cover that like you are about to listen to a J. Cole album, right? And I am somebody who has repeatedly on this podcast defended and even at turns extolled J. Cole, right? I've done it with you. I've done it with Shea Serrano. I've done it in various forms to the ringer, right? I have I I have defended the honor and merit of J. Cole. He means something to you. Yeah, right? I'm not like a super <laughs> fan of J. Cole, but I think people go a little over the top, right, with how they criticize him. And yeah, I don't know. Like, th the album art really does telegraph an album that feels like this is a massive pivot to me, right? From that that last album, which is not his first album, but it's the first album people people talk about it like it's the first Jack Harlow album, right? That last album that we we talked about in this pod, right? Feels like it never happened. And it feels like it never happened because it was this like very aggressively pop forward Drake cosplay album, right? I think that's kind of the consensus about the last Jack Harlow album is that he was he really was trying to take the mantle from Drake. He had Drake. Uh, what was it? Churchill Downs. What is the song? Yeah, it's it's very. It, it was very pop music without the sex. It was a kids bop version of a Drake album. Yeah, like yeah. Is, and it had that Destiny Child sample, and it's yeah. just a lot of goofy shit happening. This one starts out with a Jade sample, which lets yeah. you know that he's he's progressed a little bit. Okay. <laughs> Well, it's also, but what's kind of fascinating about that last Jack Harlow album, and we'll we'll come back to the one that just came out in a second, but like, what's fascinating about that last Jack Harlow album to me, right, is that like, you could kind of say, even with the weird reception that that album got, and also with just how musically kind of off it is to me, it's kind of mission accomplished, right? Because these are all things you could say about the first Drake album, too, right? Like, Think Me Later yeah. is... It, it has hits on it, but if you sit and listen to that thing cover to cover, it's like, oof, this is some fucking like late aughts, early 2010s major label rap music right here. <laughs> you know, this is yeah. one of the albums, one of the albums of all time. Right? Like, <laughs> one of the albums of all time. You know what I mean? Like, so he kind of, uh, like, he made an album that sounded very much like that, but updated for a new decade. 
And then Jackman. Okay. This thing. First of all, he's like starts this album like ranting about rap journalists. <laughs> just like, <laughs> well, I mean, ranting about rap journalism and the 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 elusive suburban white rap listener, you know, yeah. like just sort of. I, I, and ta- I think talking about menstruacy a little bit, I like it's. Yeah, it's very. It's a very strange tone. Like, I, and I'm not being funny, but like, try to like try to imagine like Jack Harlow, shirtless, yelling at you in the, <laughs> st- <laughs> in the street. That is what this album interest yeah, feels like. Like, what, what would your reaction to that be? It's like, like I really, I know that like. That sounds pejorative, and like I'm saying it as a joke, and I laughed all the way through it. But truly, like the 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 aim that he's taking in this song, and the tone that he's taking up in this song, and the subject matter of this song is very much like you would be like, uh, um, like you know, do from the regular show, passing under a flyer on the street, like you know, you're like ah. Sorry, I don't take things that are just handed to me. I'm going to just keep walking. Um, I, I think the thing about that image is like, to go back to Drake for one second, the tone of the song, I think the, the tone of the album in a lot of ways is specifically the tone of, I don't even know if you remember at this point, but like Duppy Freestyle, right? When Drake finally got off his ass and dissed Pusha T, but he, he dissed him in the most like verbose like complex sentence structure way and it, it just, I'm I disinclined just remember, to acquiesce to your requests. <laughs> it's just like, I'm in the library reading mad books. And it's like it's like when somebody leaves a voicemail on like a customer service number that clearly no one checks, but they leave like a 40 second voicemail that gets cut off and it's just like, bro, you you just call back later. Like what who are you talking to? <laughs> you know what I mean? I think that's kind of what you're getting at with the Jackman intro. Like, why is he ranting about rap? It's also kind he of had like some serious thoughts, you know? Like yeah. it was very much like call the hotline. Like <laughs> <laughs> But I think the other thing that that intro and the rest of the album, like the songs like um I wanna say it can't be, right? It it can't be is another sort of him doing the defensive white rapper thing in a kind of like high energy, high performance kind of way. But it's like it underscored for me that a big part of the problem with the previous Jack Harlow album, frankly, is that he didn't have enough of a chip on his shoulder, right? He wanted to make a fake Drake album, but without all of the kind of petty, vindictive undercurrents that make Drake albums work. And so as annoying as a lot of what he's saying on a lot of the album like, is, right? Uh, how annoying a lot of his actual content of his defensive postures are. It's like, you need that. You need him to have a chip on his shoulder to be the kind of rapper that he wants to be. So it, it works, right? Even if it's, even if it's disagreeable, I think it's like, okay, but at least the kid is fucking alive now, you know? Yeah. Um, That's kind of what I got from it. Right. Uh, Yeah. I I mean, like, I think like, I think I might have checked out right around 
like gang, gang, gang. Like no, I was I like, like, that like, that's awesome. I, like it's it is not, and I Concept mean like, song. and I checked checked out like you know again sounds. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm damning this thing, but it's just like it may actually be one of the better songs on the record. Like for what it is he's attempting to talk about, um, which I guess is like not something I've never seen Jack Harlow attempt to talk about things before. <laughs> yeah, that's the other thing. <laughs> which is which is why it comes across as a bit of a surprise, but also it's just kind of like um, it was. <clears throat> It was still a Jack Harlow album, and I and I didn't want to listen to it all the way at the end, and that's just the honest truth. Uh, but I do want to say that, like, the white rapperness of this album is like more realized in the in a in a way that is like I think important to his growth as an artist. Like I feel yeah. like it's sort of like. <laughs> I, no, I mean, like, I, I, again, it's like, okay, so Denver, for instance, is not the type of record that would have made it on to the last Jack Harlow album because it's not, it's too rootsy. Like, there's, it has like this, 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 this really nice Douglas Penn sample in it that I think is like, I think it's like, I went looking for it because I was just like, what is that? Like, it's just like this uh, folksy, like, tent church record, like, that, Jack Harlow of 18 months ago would not have picked out and put into a thing. But it's like, you know, it's like it feels like he's it's rap music for people in retro X fat Patagonia fleeces, you know, <clears throat> in a way that he hasn't, you know, been making before. And I can't say that it's exciting, but it feels correct. Mm, mm, that's deep, brother. I'm snapping finger snapping that. Um, yeah, but. But to your point about taste, right? Like, it feels like he's making decisions he wouldn't have made 18 months ago. I think that's the thing that's annoying about his defensiveness throughout the new album, right? It's like, it would be one thing if Jackman and the previous album, right? Come Home, The Kids Miss You. Like, if those albums were similar and he was just coming out on this, this one being like, you guys just have it out for me. You know, you guys are just projecting. It's just a bunch of suburbanite hipsters, blah, blah, blah. But it's like, yo, Jackman sounds nothing like the last Jack Harlow album, right? Like, you know what I mean? I think that's what's so fucking annoying about it. It's just like, the dude clearly switched it up. He's gone from impersonating Drake to impersonating J. Cole. I think that's the correct move, right? Broadly speaking. But it's also like, I don't know, like he could have some humility about the fact that he indeed like did like, I mean, I don't know, maybe just as a rapper and as a major label rapper with like a, a lot riding on his sort of like vision, he's not inclined to be like, yeah, first um, I mean, not for, the last album was a little like yikes. Right. But it's just like, I don't know. He like, it's different. He went in a different direction and like, you you get what I mean? Like he, I don't know. Yeah. He, he switched it up, and like it's fine. He switched it up. Like I like it. You know, clap clap. But like, don't don't fake the funk. Like, don't pretend like the last album wasn't what it was. You know what I mean? I think that's yeah. what's frustrating about it. Yeah. yeah, like your last album was some bullshit, bro. And that, that's why people clowned you for several consecutive months is because the album was was just. It was different. It was not this. You know what I mean? Um, I don't know. I don't know what else to say about Jack. 
Because you know what it is? I don't know how, I don't know, even with this album, even listening to this album and being kind of captivated by it, right? Being engaged by it. I I don't know how to read sort of like, we say captivated. I feel like it's more so. I was. There are moments, there are moments where I was. There are moments where I was like, again, to the point about him feeling at least awake on this album where it's like, the last album, he just slept, walked through it. This album at least feels like he is is snapping his fingers in your face a little bit, right? And I don't know. I'm trying. I guess what I'm trying to do is like look forward and say, this is it's it's good to me, but also I don't know if a year from now is Jack Harlow still going to be the kind of guy we talk about as being kind of on the Drake path? Is he even on the J. Cole path? Like in terms of his stature and rap? Like I can't read his potential stature and rap based on this album. I don't yeah, know. I don't know that it's important either. Like I think, okay, so this is what, this is what I think what is important to take away is like what it is that he seems interested in doing since Again, it is his interest or his being interested on this album that captivated you in the first place. Mm-hmm. And his interest is to be the best white rapper since Eminem. That was his, that was the big tagline thing takeaway from like he wants to be a specialist in this field. And so <laughs> this is like, I, like, I'm saying, like, I'm saying it like, cause, and, and as you know, every time a white rapper says that, Machine Gun Kelly comes out of hiding. So he dis <laughs> so yes! he dis he dis Jack Harlow for the Renegade beat <laughs> recently. <laughs> and it's like seriously the only time that Machine Gun Kelly ever like ever raps, like actually raps. Yeah, yeah, good. Um but even that being said, my thing from this entire uh kerfuffle snafu. Uh, uh, what's another what's another word that I could use for this uh, there's just like there's uh, somebody 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 tweeted it like like uh, got the riffraff sway in the morning freestyle back in circulation off the back of that like nice try buddy like but this is actually the best white rapper since I've been I mean, he's correct do you remember that fucking freestyle no, I remember I remember riffraff's whole career I have like positive re- you won't see me on the street. You won't see me with a bunch of pancakes and drugs. Take your fat ass to sleep. I'm popping out of the candy coated Grim Reaper Jeep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, Jesus Christ. But, see, <laughs> no, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I, like, I, it, it is, I, I think that it is like kind of an important I think that I'm actually a little serious when I say that he this person was right like it's just sort of this punch in rap like it's something that you actually have to confront and like within uh the annals like 2010s rap like and because I, I mean I was thinking about this watching the most recent episode of Barry Spencer Grenice is like the actor that plays this guy named Bevel. Who's like a line cook. That's, you know, creeping on, uh, Sally and she, you know, ends up dealing with the problem on her own in this like really intense way. And we'll get to like explaining what it is that happens, but there's this one shot of like Bevel who has like, 
who just looks like he smells like the entire like the entire episode up to a certain point. They had this one like long shot of him standing on the back uh, on the trunk of his. Uh, it's like a red '89 Buick Grand National. It's beat to shit, but like the doors open, the lights are on, and it's blasted music out the back. And it's like he actually looks kind of cool. And what's playing on the on like in from out of the car is this gutta 100 song and he's like also this sort of like white punch in rapper and the problem is is that he's low-key snapping a little bit <laughs> like and that is like also it's like a really good shot for that reason like all of the things connect kind of perfectly in there but yes this is also like another thought that i had about yeah man like this serious sort of lyrical miracle, I'll save the kids with my version of events rap. Yeah. You know, is definitely a, a direction that he's taking it in. I don't know if it's the correct one. And I yeah. mean, like, there are more interesting versions of, like, I'm, you know, like, I'm one of the guys also as well. Yeah. It's also, I, I want to, go back for a second to the thing you said immediately previously about the build-up, the context this time being like, Jack Harlow is going to be the best white rapper since Eminem, or the best white rapper of all time, right? And it just feels like a fundamental, that's a, that's a pitch. It's right? a marketing tactic. I mean, that's right? a pitch, it's... but but it like doesn't exist in a vacuum, right? And to me, what's weird is that like, okay, but you're coming fresh off of an album where your previous pitch is that you were fucking Drake, right? But it's like Drake didn't become Drake by being like, I'm going to be the best, like, mixed Canadian rapper of all time, right? Like, Drake was just like, I am going to have a very specific musical vision. No, Drake vision. said, I'm going to hang out with Lil Brother and wear a and also, on my yeah, album cover. Yeah, that's... Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. I'm going to hang out with Lil Brother and Bun B and I'm going to... You know what I mean? I'm going to do the 808s thing, but I'm going to take it way too far, right? Like, Drake had a distinct musical vision and a distinct musical signature. And that's how Drake became Drake, right? By doubling and tripling down on that over time, right? So it's it's weird to then watch Jack Harlow just jump to another album where he's just like, oh, well, this time I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be this other thing with this entirely different mission statement. And it just feels kind of like, well, are you Drake or are you Lil Yachty? You know what I mean? Like what like that I think that's the issue. Cause even if you want to do the thing where I mean, I think the most irksome comparison to a lot of people I saw was him people being like, Oh, is Jack Harlow the next Mac Miller? Right. And it's uh. just like it's just like, okay, but even take take Mac, for example, right? Like the 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 iter- let's say the iteration of Mac Miller that earned the posthumous level of acclaim that Mac Miller has, again, was is is mostly based in the phase of Mac's career where he he finally developed like a distinct musical project and outlook and capacity. And whether you fuck with that musical vision or not, right? It's like people knew what it was like people knew what sounds and what they knew what Mac was trying to do. Does anyone know what Jack Harlow is trying to do? do exactly other than just be like i'm going to be famous i think that's the problem with him he has the i want to be famous part but he doesn't have the other part that's like i am going to be famous 
for this particular sort of like style of contribution to moving hip hop forward. That's what he, that is what he does not have. He very conspicuously does not have such that even though I think Jackman is cool, it, it feels like its own dead end in a lot of ways. Yeah, me. I mean, like, I think that you, it's, again, I did not get to the end of it, but I imagine you could get to the end of it and not have any idea about what the next thing might sound like or, you know, what it is that he even thinks about this album or how it might be performed live. Yeah, yeah, right. It's just, it's, I don't know. I don't know. It's like a, it's like the the most negative positive review I've ever had of an album. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because it's like even after I, like, hearing, I think if I could just take all of what you said, you're just kind of like, I don't really like it, but good on you for trying. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. It's like you've heard three Jack Harlow albums at this point, and I'm still at the point where it's like he look, he could be the next Drake, or he could be like Sub Logic. You know what I mean? <laughs> like either one of those things is still I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what to make of Jack Harlow. We've done two whole episodes of this podcast about Jack Harlow at this point. Dear God, we will talk about something else now. (laughs) This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car, Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. In fact, we will go back to talking about Barry, right? Yes. Um, talk, talk, can I, I'm going to, you're the Barry's, you're the Barry perspective on this episode. You, you talked a yes. bit about it before I went on vacation on the episode that we did. And I, I when I got back from vacation, I read this. I think it was like a New Yorker interview with Hater, right? Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, the interview was cool, but I just remember the lead. I think Rachel Syme wrote it, and it's like the lead was sort of focusing on the thing that I I constantly see people play up. I think you you were talking about this when we were talking about it, right? Is it 
the show at this point is just very dark and sad. Yes. And depressing. Um, <laughs> and what, yeah, it's, it's just like you'd have a good time. Those too bad because those are the other guys. We're gonna have a bad time. Yeah. yeah, it's just like it's it's that's what the show is. Yeah, but but here's my question for you: going into I think uh, an otherwise open ended segment where you will talk to me about the sort of final phases of Barry, right? Which is like sometimes that kind of thing, right? Like this is the gritty, dark version of something, right? That it really otherwise wouldn't... I don't know. Like, the interview made the show sound a little obnoxious. <laughs> is Barry obnoxious? That's all I want to know. I think that there are parts of it that are obnoxious. I think you're watching a half-hour show and expecting it to be a comedy, but the jokes are very deeply hidden like in this in this season or, or they are you know passed through the eye of a needle it's very um i think several reviewers have pointed this out at this point but like you know there kind of is a dramatic split with uh, the previous tone of this of of the show um because they dropped the music from the title card they had like you know, maybe six seconds of a Charles Bradley record. Like the da, 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 like the horns or whatever, which I mean is very it's like the song itself, the horns are very chintzy. Like if it's like that sort of whiskey soaked revi like revivalism of a certain type of music because that record came out in I think 2014, but sounds like it's from, it was recorded, you know, at stacks or whatever. Like it's a, it's a certain type of thing. It puts you in a mood for there to be a, a bit of campiness or some jokes, maybe, you know, like it's, it was a good way to set up the tone of like the first couple of seasons where it's a funny setup. Uh, Barry is a hitman attempting to find something else to do with his life because being in Los Angeles without direction is boring. And, you know, like, you have a lot of type, time to think and destroy yourself. The, the show was a good observation of that then. And then it became a show about, actually, uh, it's really hard to start a new life and leave your old one behind. Actually, the show is there is an untold amount of wreckage you leave behind while trying to forcibly start a new life. <laughs> like mm -hmm. this is, it's like in, in its, in, in its final season, I guess Barry is kind of looking at the viewer. Like, what did you expect? Like, what did you think was going to happen? Like this person is always who I have been telling you they were. There's just, you know, fewer sorts of, there's fewer hijinks to hide it from you now. Um, and I mean, like, that does kind of undercut, like, its uniqueness a little bit, I think. How so? Um, so, I, I think it was in the second season. Um, you are, even if you haven't watched the show, you're familiar with NoHo Hank, right? 
like no. the idea. Wait, of yes, no, because no, Alison Herman explained. Yeah, yes, yes. Yeah, you know, like, and Noho Hank is this sort of happy-go-lucky, totally like space cadet Chechen mobster in the first season. Um, and like he gradually becomes less of a fuck up and a kind of like, but you know, through the fire for like, you know, through, through, through error, through, um, through betrayal, through tragedy, whatever, like he has to learn how to be an appropriate mob boss. And at this point in the final season, even if you laid all those things, those events together that he's been through, when he the the, the character that he's become in the final season is like is the same one in the first season, but far enough away that it feels like you're talking, like you're sitting and hearing lines delivered by somebody totally different. Mm-hmm. And it's not as scary as it's supposed to be, I guess. Here, let me just actually just lay this out with two examples. So at the end of the second season, after Barry has kind of done what he has to everyone and used them and their emotions and their desires to his own ends, like Hank picks up on it because it is like, you know, you made me look stupid in front of the family. You know, I don't care what it is that, you know, like you thought you were doing. Hmm. And... Because Hank has been like, you know, hi, no, Hank, da, 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 the entire time. And then he delivers like this deadpan, like monologue to Barry, like not breaking eye contact, leaning on his car the whole time. It's the coolest shit, like when it happens. Mm-hmm. Because he's just kind of like, listen, you know, I may seem like nice guy, but you don't do what I ask, you know, you and all your little friends and your pretty little girlfriend over there. Like it all goes bye-bye. Like, and it's like me saying it like that and seeing it obviously written on the page, it falls a little bit flat, but because of the way that, because of him being as goofy and wearing these tight polos and driver loafers and having these dumb home interior decorating ideas, like the whole time, you think that he's not capable of these things, but the show has shown you in season three and in the beginning of season four, what he's capable of for real. And in season four, after he commits mass murder, you know, is which is what it is, even if it seems sort of hijacksy, he's talking to his partner and he's just giving a very serious like speech about what it takes to be a boss, you know? And it's like very, it doesn't sound like it should be coming from NoHo Hank. But I wanted my reaction to it to be one more revulsion and like of surprise, like it was in the second season. Mm-hmm. Then it comes across in the final season because everything in the show so far has been like, man, that is fucking tough. Like, you know, the thing that I was talking about with them getting rid of the music from the title card is now, like, they just have ambient sounds. Like, I think in the first episode, it's, you know, the jail gates clanking, you know, and the milling sounds of, like, Jim Pop moving around the field, like, I mean, moving around the yard, like, at whatever time. Like, and and then the next episode is 
I don't know, something similarly gray and lifeless. And then the next episode, I think, is Fuchs get it like this. You overhear him getting jumped by like, you know, jail security. And you hear his groans and cries and like bones crunching. Like, you know what I mean? It's just very like the sound design is very anxious and unpleasant. But it makes like the payoff of jokes like even for me like even greater. Mm-hmm. Um, like I, <laughs> like the funniest joke definitely of this season definitely came in 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 this most recent episode. Um, which I guess like this season has been about cursing characters with what they thought they wanted. So Barry and you know Sally under the witness protection program moved to the middle of nowhere and like thanks to the direction and the DP and everything it really does look and feel like he is in outer space somewhere um they have a kid and he's basically trying to raise him but in effect like poisoning him against Things that kids do that could be outside of their parents' control, like playing baseball, right? So there's this one sequence where Barry and his kid are sitting next to each other in front of an open laptop watching children get killed in baseball games. <laughs> and the look on the kid's face, it's just like his eye, his eye is twitching as he's just like watching these videos. <laughs> and it is... And there's nothing. There's no sound other than like the videos, and it's it's so funny. Like, but yeah, it's. I definitely wouldn't say that it is. You know, often or even frequently, laugh out funny. This laugh out loud funny this season. The, but my, I guess my question about that, right, is like, okay, so I'm reading this New Yorker interview with Cater, right, and it's like there's a part where he just goes on about being a lens guy and like talking about the Coen brothers. And I'm what I was trying to sort of s- sort out <laughs> reading the interview is like how much of that tonal thing that you're talking about is, Oh, the show was kind of composed this way and where it, where it in like the distance, the emotional distance between the, how it started and how it's going. Right. It, it sort of be like baked in from the beginning versus Oh, is this a is this a story of like Bill Hader like increasingly just taking himself very seriously and that's what's happening? Like which what is happening? Like where is that tonal stuff coming from? Like this is all stuff that was baked in from the beginning if you're actually thinking about the premise of the show. Okay. Um and I mean, like, I I think funny guy becomes serious is not as is not like an untraced career path. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. For sure. Uh, and on top of that, like, Bill Hader's been a movie nerd forever. Like, mm-hmm. it's it's uh, like it's of course like there is now obviously because there is a thing out there in the world that he's made that is good. There's a greater spotlight on the fact that he loves House. Or was in the what the the Criterion Channel version of what what's in my bag, you know, mm. like for, like they used to do at Amoeba. Like he's obviously because the thing is as good as he is, it, it is like he is studied in the thing, and I also like I mean while I understand 
being being thrown off by the seriousness of the show, it was already headed there. Like there's just sort of I I don't know what to make of wanting the show to be what it was in its, in its first season for this particular story. Mm-hmm. Especially since it never really felt like a sketch, like it was a sketch comedy hour thing or like it, it felt serial. Like there's a, there is a story carrying it through these four seasons. Right. It's not like he's doing Stefan in the first season. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. 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 Like, okay. and so like, while the thing might not be what you got into the show for, it makes sense that Noho Hank has spun out of control, okay. you know? Yeah. Um, Okay. That is a good thank you for thank you for articulating the the yeah I don't know I just I finished reading that interview with Bill Hader and I had I had so many questions um and again it's like Barry is one of those shows that felt kind of like I don't know I I think I was intimidated in the beginning by Barry by the hype for Barry and then now it just got super intimidating to me the way everybody talks about it being super depressing and I don't know. It might be one of those things that, like, I constantly promise to finally watch on this podcast. I mean, yeah, like, like, super depressing in that it's, like, you know, it's, well, it's, it's, it's I mean, like, watch Peaky Blinders for fun, you know? Yeah. Like, it's not like a, come on. It's, it's least, it is. Like, yeah, it's not about that. It's like, look, I, I fucking love Mr. Robot, but that's a show that's depressing from the first scene of it and then just gets more depressing as opposed to starting. You know what I mean? It's, it's yeah, I think that's, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if I have the emotional constitution in a, a lot of times of year to watch something like Barry that's going to take me to a place like that. I don't know. Yeah. I think that's more so what I'm getting at. Okay. That's, that, is a, that is a different concern. I get yeah. what you're saying, Mayor. Yeah. Um, but I will say, at least for my part, I think it is a very safe pair of hands to take you to an uncomfortable place. That's fair. That's fair. Um, I don't, is that all we've got about both Barry and Jack Harlow? Our white kings? <laughs> Our, <laughs> <do> we, <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Fuck that. I'm not Jack Oh, no. That's all I got. Um, one day Jack Harlow go bar me up, and you know what? I'm gonna embrace it. <laughs> I'm gonna embrace it. <laughs> um, Dog, I'm sorry. But he will just you when respond? he opened it, he opened it. I don't want all that bass in his voice. It's like, bro, bro, take me off the BCC to this. Like, what is? This? <laughs> I hate the way you load the dishwasher. <laughs> 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 Yo, oh, <he's> just, <laughs> oh my god! Just like what is what is happening, bro? It's like he just showed up at the DMV and started yelling at people. It's like so you have to take a ticket and then you have to fill out what you're in here for. Are you getting a renewal? Are you is this your first license? <laughs> like, what? Are you taking the test? <laughs> he's just laughing at everybody. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Oh, stop it. Uh, <laughs> soundonlypod at gmail.com. Listeners, email us at soundonlypod at gmail.com about Barry, about Jack Harlow, about early career Drake, about early career J. Cole, about 
any whatever i don't even know succession <laughs> what else are we talking um, uh, yeah about jedi survivor you know jedi you survivor like you know if you got a if you got a preferred lightsaber stance or if you feel like or if you just went back to the single bladed you know simple style because you're a jedi and some things are sacred you know you don't want a kylo ren cross guard lightsaber yo or, actually know. on this note can i point out we've known since I don't know if you ever got one of the toy versions of the fucking Darth Maul lightsaber back in the day during the Phantom Menace rollout. But like a single bladed lightsaber is like all you need. Like once you start getting into that goofy shit, they basically ruined Star Wars ever since they introduced Grievous, where he's using like 10 lightsabers at once. Right. It's just like. It's, you're making the lightsaber worse, dog. Honestly, gotta... man, I, it's really like the General Grievous character should have been confined to hand-drawn animation where it made sense because mm. that's where it was fucking cool. Let's yeah, not yeah. let's not let's not pretend let's not pretend like the General Grievous episode of Star Wars: Clone Wars that that Jindy Tartakovsky didn't do what he had to fucking do. Okay, because okay, that, that right. that's that was an incredible five minutes of animation. Okay, I, that's fair. It's just with with the fucking Revenge of the Sith dog, where he fights yes, Obi Wan with all that bullshit, and then you and leave, the you gotta, heart explode blaster thing. He uses guns and shit. It's like, come on, bro. General Kenobi. General Kenobi. This is like hello there. Um, <laughs> General Kenobi. <laughs> oh man. Uh, that's all we got this week. Soundonlypod.gmail.com. Hit us up. I'm Justin Charity. And I'm Michael Peters. Shouts out to our producer, as always, <laughs> Stefan Anderson. We'll see y'all next week. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.